Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Random Song Encounters, episode 11, called, let's call it Input Output. Uh, I'm your host, Gene Vincent, coming to you as usual from the SoCal desert today. It's a dusty, windy day out here in the desert. Good day to be inside, working on the podcast, bringing it to you. Episode 11, almost to the to the dozen. Um, just recovered from the weekend at Power Trip. Uh, it was a great weekend overall. Uh, tons of great music. Uh, we, uh, if I had to rank them, I guess, uh, for my own personal taste, it would have been, would have been ACDC was top. Uh, Tool was actually a surprise second. Um, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, then Metallica, and lastly, Guns N' Roses. Uh, in Guns N' Roses' uh, case, it was just a matter of too little till too late. Uh, they played for like three hours, which is, you know, you know, a big deal in itself, but the first two hours were like sleepy time. You know, they maybe played three songs that, you know, I enjoyed. They played, it's like, uh, it's so easy. Uh, welcome to my, welcome to the jungle uh, with a uh, intro of uh, the song Rumble by Link Ray that Slash did a great job on. And then they played a, a, a non-Guns N' Roses song, Slither. Uh, but, you know, like I say, the, the first two, two, uh, hours of the show were kind of snoozers and uh, by the time they got to the third hour which was supposedly you know they kicked in gear kicked it in gear and and finished great half the audience was gone home by then they were bored to tears so uh, uh, that was really you know I didn't expect much from them myself I've never been a big Guns N' Roses fan so you know nothing lost uh, nothing gained there uh, Metallica was an, another story. Uh, they they were doing a great set, you know. Uh, enjoyed the enjoyed the show, and then, you know, they had a they had a two hour window uh, on Sunday night to close out the festival. They they ended up playing an hour and a half, and you know, a lot of that was chit chat. So you know, at the end of the day, they uh, after an hour and a half of time. Uh, they went off stage. The lights were still on. Uh, everything. Everybody thought they were coming back for an encore, and they never reappeared, other than to spend five minutes. They each gave a little speech, thanking everyone, and you know how great it was, and blah blah blah, and kind of left everybody, you know, uh, scratching their heads, wondering what happened, why they, why they quit so soon. Not sure if something else was going on. I haven't heard anything in particular, but. Uh, that was really a, a, a downer, uh, especially closing out the uh, the weekend uh, to have them do a short set like that, and uh, you know leave leave everybody uh, you know just hanging with uh, and you know everybody was sitting in their seats waiting for them, waiting for them, waiting for them, and just never materialized. So, but uh, all in all, a great weekend, great show by the other bands. I mean, you know, it was just just a good time. So. But uh, back to more important business and, and back to the podcast. And we've got some great music for you here this, this week on episode 11. Um, hope you enjoy it all. And let's kick it off with an obscure band from the 80s called The Wooden Tops.
His eyes are flooded, God, He can't even see. I've hunted this title, but now it don't seem right. I fight back tears while I destroy His life.
Now that was a sonic blast to close out segment one. Love that tune. That's brand new, uh, but we'll get to that a little later. Let's go back to where ends we started with segment one. Uh, input, output, title of episode 11. Let's start off with some input. We first heard Maybe It Won't Last by Wooden Tops out of the UK from their 1988 album Wooden Foot Cops on the Highway. It's their second LP on Rough Trade Records. Uh, they they had a lot of a critical acclaim and some moderate success success uh, with music their music in the mid 80s uh, uh, and they actually were still releasing music up to 2010. Uh, they're most notably known, I guess, for a song called "Stop the Car" or "Stop This Car" uh, from 1988, uh, which was voted uh, the number 15 song of 1988 by as part of the K Rock yearly countdown in LA um, I actually like this song better but uh, hey you know there you go uh, didn't make the countdown I guess uh, but uh, yeah Wooden Tops uh, pretty obscure band from the 80s but uh, you know good great tune to start off this segment uh, then we went back to 1966 with Little Girl by Syndicate of Sound out of San Jose California uh, off their album of the same title, Little Girl from 66, was they, their debut and only LP release. Uh, they're one of these one-hit wonders. Um, they had a couple of other singles that uh, broke the top 100 but didn't really do anything and no other LPs. And they, and they disbanded it uh, in 1970, so four years later. Uh, the odd thing about this particular tune is if you've ever been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, this song is on permanent rotation in the hall in, in their one-hit wonder section. So if you're wandering there, through there in the, and get to that section and you listen to the music that they're playing in there while you're looking at all the exhibits, the song will pop up at some point in time. Next, we jump to 1979 and No Mercy by Niels Lofgren off his uh, 79 album Nils, which was his fourth solo LP on A&M Records. Um, Nils is most recently notably known for the last, whatever, almost 40 years uh, as part of Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band. Uh, he would he replaced Little Steven uh, on guitar when he left the band. Uh, Steven left the band for a short period of time. He eventually came back and they decided to keep both of them in the band so that, uh, like I say, he's been around in the E Street Band since 1984. But uh, he started his career back in uh, 1968 at the age of 17. He started a group called, or a band called Grin, who had some moderate success back in the, back in the late 60s. Uh, while he was involved with Grin, he ran into and met uh, Neil Young, and they became friends. and. Uh, Neil asked him to perform or do some session work with him on uh, Neil's album After the Gold Rush, uh, after which he was also uh, invited to join Neil's uh, backup band at the time and, and continued backup band here and there called Crazy Horse, of some of you I'm sure have heard of. Uh, uh, on this particular album, uh, Neil's, uh, he actually collaborated with Lou Reed on three songs from the LP. Uh, and has had you know some good 
moderate solo success here and there with uh, uh, this particular album and another one called Cry Tough and uh, you know uh, you know nothing spectacular but uh, you know some good tunes here and there this one I particularly like No Mercy uh, after that we went to jump jump to 1990 <clears throat> and a tune called Hey Venus by that Petrol Emotion uh, out of the UK uh, it's off their 1990 album Kemat uh, <laughs> I'm having trouble pronouncing that one. Chemicrazy, their fourth LP on Virgin Records. Uh, like I said, they're they're based in the UK, but they're actually a Northern Ireland band, uh, and I, and have a U.S. vocalist, which is you know you know odd mix. But uh, uh, the former main members of the band are are actually um, come from another punk band from the 1980s who had some some success called the Undertones. <clears throat> out of Ireland. Uh, they recorded five albums between 86 and 94 before they broke up. Uh, and the band name uh, comes from uh, how they sum up frustration and anger that they were feeling at the time living in Nor Northern Ireland uh, during the period of time, 60s to the 90s, where you had the Catholics and the Protestants fighting and, you know, uh, bombing each other and killing innocent people over the decision of whether to uh, stay under the rule of the Great Britain or to break off and and go on their own and as part of the as part of the country of Ireland as a whole, and uh, I think it, it went on and on until I think the end of the 90s and into the right before the start of the 2000s they finally uh, came to some resolution and peace there. Um, and lastly, uh, a brand new song. Uh, called Erasure by, by Corrine Bailey Ray out of the UK off her 2023 album Black Rainbows which is her fourth LP the, 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 the great thing about this is you know she's she if you've heard of her she's had huge success uh, as an R&B soul singer her her debut album uh, when it came out back in the day debuted at number one in the UK and it was in the top ten in the U.S. Uh, she's a multi-Grammy winner, uh, most notably known for her, her record, if you've heard, it's called Put Your Records On. But, uh, you know, all this time uh, throughout her recording career, she's uh, been an R&B soul singer, and all of a sudden she comes out with this uh, Black Rainbows album, and it's a 180-degree turn for her. I mean, she's still got some R&B stuff on there, but, you know, it goes from R&B soul to jazz and to this garage rock thing and everybody was like holy crap where'd this come from uh the album itself according to her is inspired by experience she had with a group called the stony island arts bank in chicago uh, who put together this uh archives of uh, black arts and culture uh and so it comes from her experience based on uh that archive uh involvement and viewing uh, and then this but when you look back at her history uh, you see that she started out uh, in a punk band uh, back in the day before she switched over to R&B so she was doing punk and rock and you know this album uh, and her experience in uh, viewing that archive uh, kind of drove her back to her her early days and that garage rock sound and 
you know, this particular song is, is, is crazy good and, and just totally out of, you know, what everybody's heard from her in her wheelhouse. Uh, but uh, just loved it, so I had to include it. Uh, let's uh, move on to segment two with that and see what else we have for you this week. Uh, we're going to start out with a tune from 2010 by Modern English, who all of you know from the 80s, but uh, this is actually, you know, like I say, newer music from them, 2010. Let's go. Let's go.
There you have it. Segment two. Uh, let's start from the output end of the segment this time and work our way back to the beginning, to the input. Um, we started off with back on the borderline, Midnight Oil, Australian group. Um, you know, uh, you got to love Midnight Oil. Uh, everybody has to love Midnight Oil. They're just a great, great band, have tons of hits, really high, you know, high uh, intensity band. Uh, back on the borderline, off their 1979 LP called Head Injuries, which was their second LP. Uh, on Powderworks Records, which was their own label that they started when they uh, started the group. Uh, their, their name, uh, Midnight Oil, just actually came from throwing band names into a hat and drawing one, and Midnight Oil came out, and there you have it. That's where they, what they ended up with, and that's what they've known and used uh, since the 70s. Uh, they're known, obviously, for their driving hard rock sound, uh, intense live performances. They're a great band to see live and their political activism. Uh, they're still out there making music, uh, touring. Uh, I actually saw them, gosh, about five, six years ago, 2017 or so, uh, right before COVID uh, at the Greek Theater in LA and uh, put on a great show. They're just, you know, like I said, high energy, uh, great, to, great band to see if you ever get a chance again. Uh, before that, we heard from a band called Shriekback, and uh, the name of the song, Safe Word, uh, out of the UK, from their 2022 album, Bula Hula, uh, which is their 17th LP. They're a band that was formed in the 80s, and they're still putting out music. Uh, like I say, this is from 2022. Uh, they were kind of a quasi supergroup when they first formed because they, they took uh, members from the 80s bands, XTC, and Gang of Four uh, to, f you know, form the core of the group. Um, and as you, you know, for this is 2022, they're still actively producing uh, music and releasing albums, uh, even though, and they, they were formed in 1981, so they're still at it. They're, they're really known for that haunting, heavy uh, sound that they produce. Uh, it's best described, they've got an album titled called uh, Big Night Music, so, which kind of, describes the tiny type of music they put out. It's, in the, it's not goth, but it's more uh, dance heavy, but it's still got, got that heavy haunting sound to it and really great stuff to listen to. The uh, song itself is about <clears throat> confusion and search for answers in love and relationships. And hence, you know, uh, what's my safe work, baby? <laughs> I need to know now. Uh, before that, we come back to LA uh, and a group called Love and their hit single, My Little Red Book, from 1966, uh, from the same titled uh, album, uh, which was their de debut album. Uh, they're led by frontman and primary songwriter Arthur, Louis, Arthur Lee, and sometimes go by Arthur Lee in Love, uh, after they achieve some success. Uh, and they're known as one of, the, one of the first racially diverse bands back from the 60s. This particular song is kind of an odd story to it. It was originally written written by the you know the big time songwriting duo Burt Backrack and Hal David uh, for a movie, a Woody Allen movie called What's New Pussycat. And in the movie, the song is performed by Manford Mann, you know, big uh, UK 
rock band in their own in, in their own time. Uh, the band Love, Arthur Lee and Love, went to the movie, saw the movie, heard the song, and liked it so much they decided to add it to their regular, you know, uh, performance set list. They didn't have a record deal yet, but they they took the song and put it in their set list. Obviously, uh, if you've heard the original West New Pussycat uh, uh, version uh, the, by Man for Man versus this one, this has got a more of a hard edge, straight ahead rock sound. Uh, one night they were playing in LA and the president of Electra Records uh, saw them at a club and knew the song as well and was really impressed with, with what they had done with the song. Uh, he, he viewed it as like a mediocre song, but they had taken it and given it a searing energy and offered him a contract right away, signed the deal, and off they went to stardom. Um, before that, another interesting uh, band called Heat Miser out of Portland, Oregon. The name of the song was Bottle Rocket. It's off their, I guess, <clears throat> this is kind of a dual release. They re they released this thing back in 1992. Uh, the deal was uh, they were just starting out as a band, and you know bands will sometimes hand out, you know, give out or sell CDs or or cassettes or whatever at their shows. And this was one of those deals in 1992. They had this this thing, and they would go out and play shows, and they would stand out there or have folks selling them as part of their merchandise, selling these uh, this particular you know uh, cassette or whatever at their shows and and by mail order to make money. So uh, it was re-released just this year uh, as a regular LP, uh, and, and songs that were on the 1992 cassette, its demos, and a bunch of other stuff that they just put together and it's called The Music of Heat Miser. Uh, the band itself is best known uh, for um, launching the career of a singer-songwriter, some of you may know, called, uh, his name is Elliot Smith. Uh, he's most famously known for writing Miss Misery, who, uh, uh, which was used in the film Goodwill Hunting. Uh, but as the band, Heat Miser, they they only achieved a cult following in the you know northwest U.S. Uh, in spite of Elliot's uh, emerging solo career, and he was still in the band while his solo career was taken off. But they, the, the band itself never was able to take advantage of that, and uh, they eventually broke up in 1996. Uh, prior to the release of their last LP, Mike City uh, Sons, <clears throat> uh, and so. There lies the history of Heat Miser. Uh, like I say, they just took this thing and re-released it in 2023. Bottle Rocket, great, so great song, and uh, there's some other great tunes on there. If you get a chance to listen to it, check it out. Uh, and then back at the beginning of segment two, we heard It's Okay by the UK band Modern English. Everybody knows Modern English from the 80s and their big hit, I Melt With You. It's been played bazillions of times over the years. Uh, this is off a 2010 LP called Soundtrack, which was their seventh LP on Darla Records. Uh, the band was formed in 1975, and they went by the name The Lepers, which is kind of a eh, you know. Uh, they pr immediately they added two more members to the band and decided to change the name to Modern English, and from there, the band took off. Uh, 
<clears throat> excuse me, the song is from a collection of tunes that they had had come up with during their touring uh, sessions from 1998 to 2002. And then uh, something happened with the LP production and, and went on the shelf and sat there for years and years and years uh, before they were finally be able, able to pull it off the shelf and, and get it produced and get it out as an LP. So 2010, uh, Modern English. So there you have it. Uh, segment two, input output. And let's go right into segment three and start off with something from the 70s by Robert Palmer. You're gonna get what's coming.
camera crews Everywhere he goes is news Today is different Today is not the same Today I'll make the action Take snapshot into the light Snapshot into the light I'm shooting into the
And there you have it, segment three, closing out this week's episode of Random Song Encounters. Uh, great tune by Dave Edmonds, but we'll talk about it a little later. Let's start back at the top on the input portion of the segment. And we heard from Robert Palmer, You're Gonna Get What's Coming, from his 1978 album Double Fun, his fourth LP on Island Records. Uh, everybody knows Robert Palmer from his classic rock song, Addicted to Love, uh, but he's he's been at this thing uh, for years and years and years, back to the 70s, started his solo career in 74. Uh, after being in bands, starting from the age of 15, he got that shot at his solo career. Uh, he's, also, he's also been part of uh, the 80s band Power Station, uh, who you all likely know, uh, with members of Duran and Duran and Chic, where he did uh, uh, kind of Some Like It Hot, I think it was, and, it, and uh, uh, a T-Rex song, who skips my mind right now, but I should know it. It's, <laughs> uh, he actually died of a heart attack at the age of 54 uh, in a Paris hotel, so sadly missed. Uh, he, had a, he had a lot of great music uh, yet, to, yet to go when he passed away. Uh, he's known, similar to Brian Ferry, for his powerful and soulful voice, and he's also jumped around, you know, he's got a lot of stylistic explorations into, into different genres of music. Um, but um, you know, just a great, great tune. I, I always, always love this tune. You're gonna get what's coming. Uh, always come back to that one, and thought I'd share that with you today. And uh, if you, if you're not familiar with his solo work beyond "Addicted to Love" or "Power Station," um, check him out. After that, we heard uh, "Say Comme Ça," French for "Just the Way It Is," uh, by Paramore. Uh, this particular version was by with Paramore and uh, Wetleg, who's kind of uh, uh, the current indie rock darlings. Uh, it's off of 2020, this 2023, so this is new stuff. 2023 album called Re, This Is Why, uh, on Atlantic. Uh, it's Paramore's first remix album. What they did, and, and some this happens quite often now in, in the latter-day music, where they'll take... Uh, an album of songs uh, by a band and, and rework them, remix them, even rewrite them uh, into different versions from the album and, and reissue it uh, as a remix album uh, using different bands and, 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 or singers to uh, contribute uh, to the, uh, the new versions of the songs. This is exactly what happened here. Wet Leg took this song. If you hear, hear listen to the song, uh, <clears throat> by Paramore on the original album, which also came out in 2023, just titled This Is Why. Um, it's a real heavy pop, you know, bouncy, bouncy pop song. And Wet Leg has taken it and stripped it down, just made it just a straight-ahead rock song. And in my opinion, way better version. Uh, I heard the other version, listened to the other version once, and once was enough for me. Uh, it's just not my cup of tea, but this was, this was way more to my liking. Uh, Paramore was supposedly uh, uh, the name came from the maiden name of, of the mother of one of the first bass players in the band. Uh, supposedly they also uh, uh, there's a, a meaning with a different spelling uh, that means secret lover uh, so they decided to adopt that as uh, the reason for the band name uh, and then they but they kept the, the 
current uh, spelling per, for Paramore versus the alternative spe spelling. After this, uh, let's see. We went to Peter Gabriel, and Family Snapshot was the name of the tune off his third solo LP uh, called Peter Gabriel, but it's known as Melt because it's got a picture of on the album cover of Peter Gabriel's face melting uh, from 1980. Uh, all of Peter Gabriel's first four solo albums after leaving Genesis were all titled Peter Gabriel, but they, you know, people came up with ways to identify the albums differently from one another. The first album, I think, was uh, was called uh, uh, Car, because it's a picture of him sitting inside a car with his face pressed against the windshield. The second album was Scratch, because he's got his fingernails scratching the album cover. Uh, this this one called Melt, and then the fourth LP, Peter Gabriel, was called S Security, uh, which is a name the record company came up with just to differentiate it from the other Peter Gabriel albums. There's no no reference to security on the album. There's a picture of some kind of a monster uh, f figure uh, on the cover of that one. The song itself has kind of got a weird uh, background behind it. It's an, It was inspired, uh, Peter took the inspiration from a book he had read by this guy, Arthur Branmer, who wrote, the name of the book is An, an Assassin, Assassin's Diary uh, from 1973, and was about his, he wrote it about his attempt to kill uh, George Wallace, who was a politician, served a gazillion terms as governor of Alabama and decided to run for president uh, in the 1972 candidacy. And uh, he uh, tried to assassinate him in, in Maryland, uh, uh, put him in a wheelchair, but didn't kill him. Uh, and this guy is kind of a whack job. Uh, supposedly he's obsessed, he was obsessed with the idea of fame, you know, getting his 15 minutes of fame as the you know, as the term goes, and even went as far as trying to time the shooting so that he could hit the evening news in the U.S. and then also catch the late news in Europe so he can get maximum exposure for what he what he was done, what he was going to do. Uh, the song itself takes partly from that from the writings in the book, uh, and then also mixes in. Uh, descriptions from the Kennedy assassination in 1963 in Dallas. So you hear the, the difference between the two, the two uh, differences about the, the guy who's, you know, looking for fame and all this, that, and then the Kennedy assassination kind of descriptions in the song. Um, through this in, uh, we're actually going to see Peter Gabriel this weekend. <clears throat> He's out here playing out here in the desert. He's got a new album out called I.O. Well, it's coming out uh, by the end of the year. Uh, which means input-output, which is what we've been referencing here this week. Uh, it's also the name of the uh, moon of Jupiter. And he's been releasing a single from the album every full moon and then alternate mixes every new moon. So it's kind of an you know, oddball thing, but hey, you know, it's Peter Gabriel. He can do, do as he pleases. Yeah, uh, great track uh, from his solo career and something out of the ordinary. So uh, check it out. Uh, after that, we heard from, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> Echo and the Bunnymen, the UK, and Do It Clean from their 1990, 1980 sorry, uh, debut album, Crocodiles. Uh, the, uh, the song itself only uh, showed up on the US version of the debut album. Uh, the the uh, Warner Brothers executive who was in charge of the release uh, for the UK version, 
heard the song and misheard it and thought it contained obscenities. So he had hit it and one other song removed from the album and released it without Do It Clean. Uh, he later, you know, after the thing had been released and it was out for a while, he had later, he heard, you know, about his mistake, wasn't able to correct it, although, and so, but he was able to correct it in time for the U.S. version. So you'll see the original U.K. and U U.S. versions have, uh, have different uh, songs on them. Uh, it was released in the UK on, on subsequent versions of the album. Um, it's also included on the band's compilation album. Everybody knows, you know, songs to learn and sing. That's the, it's the Echo and the Bunnymen album that's got all, a compilation of all their big hit, all their big hits, or, or a great number of their big hits. If you want to hear, you know, kind of a, you know, this this is Echo and the Bunnymen. That's the album to get, or that's the album to listen to, uh, and it. It, it covers a great deal of their, their big hits. Uh, lastly, we heard uh, Dave Edmonds and Crawling from the Wreckage, also out of the UK, from his 1979 album, Repeat When Necessary, which was his fifth solo LP. Um, Dave started at the young age of 10 in a family band and then, you know, worked and worked and worked at it and got a solo started a solo career, got a solo deal. Um, he, he did some work in bands prior to that, which is actually where he ran into and did a collaboration with a guy named Nick Lowe, who many of you may have heard of, um, also from the UK, does a lot of the same, loves the same type of music, that kind of rockabilly uh, uh, sound. And uh, they both were in a band called Brinsley Swartz back in the day. And they made a connection and decided to form this group called Rockpile, who was a big, big name UK group back in the day, back in the 80s or so. Uh, but <clears throat> what they didn't think about is they had all, that year that they formed Rockpile, they had just both signed solo record deals in 1976, and which restricted them from recording as Rockpile. So they had to wait till the, this con, the, their contracts ran out, which was four years. Uh, until 1980 to actually record as the group Rockpile. So what they did to get around that, uh, they both played on each other's records. Uh, so you'll hear many of their solo records, uh, you know, were actually group records. Uh, Nick Lowe was on, on Dave Edmonds' album and vice versa, and the same group was playing on both, <laughs> both solo groups, and that's the way they got around the whole deal. Um, and that you, ha that you have it. That's uh, segment three. Closing it out with a bang. Uh, crawling from the wreckage. Bits of me are scattered in the trees and in the hedges. Let's close this one out. That's all we have for you today. Hope you enjoyed episode 11, Input Output, Random Song Encounters. I had a great time as usual putting it all together for your listening pleasure. Hope you enjoyed it just as much. Uh, looking forward to catching Peter Gabriel this weekend, as I mentioned, out here in the desert. I think he's coming to the Hollywood Bowl or, or to L.A. immediately following, so get a chance to check in there. Uh, thank you for listening, as usual, and please feel free to comment or make suggestions if there's something we can do to improve or play something for you, be happy to hear it. 
in the meantime, enjoy the rest of the week. Talk to you next week, and make sure you share the good stuff. Bye for now.